My husband has been telling me for some time that I needed to have an outlet to really express the things that I talk about in private or the things that I decide not to post on social media because it's a deep part of who I am. I'm very socially conscious. I'm very pro-Black. I love my people. I am for everyone being treated fairly and equally. And because of the history of my heritage, I understand that unfortunately is not the case. Malika Uncensored is really a look into my mind, the thoughts that I have that are unfiltered, uncut, they're raw, they're real. They're probably things that you have thought yourself and not felt comfortable to express. So I want to take you to a place in my mind where you get to really see these things and hopefully it will provoke change and thought and action. Stay tuned. You're about to go into Malika Uncensored. Welcome to this episode of the pod. Um, The title of this episode is simply, Are You Paying Attention Now? Um, And the reason why I really wanted to call it this is because I feel like enough information has come out in the last several weeks in regards to Breonna Taylor's case and specifically dealing with the grand jury, that I think it's time for me to dig back into this one more time. I already did an episode really breaking down her case, and I felt like it was time for me to really get back into this and really talk about the um, current situation when it comes to Brianna's case. So one of the challenges I have had, and I've said this from the beginning, (laughs) And I'm laughing because for me, some of this stuff is not that difficult to understand. Like if you really pay attention, you'll be able to see what is really going on. This is not a case of trying to get justice for Breonna Taylor. This was a case of political ambition. And so that is the reason why I said, are you paying attention now? Because I feel like enough information has come up since the grand jury um, convened and the charges that were given were were read and we were outraged. So I feel like enough information has come out. One of the things that has come out in that amount of time is the interview that Brianna's boyfriend did. And I feel like that was really important because he was there. He was there. He knows what happened. He's the only eyewitness that we have left. Kenneth Walker is the only one other than the police officers that were in that office or in that apartment that can tell you what happened. And the detailed interview that he gave about the night that Brianna was killed was shocking. It was sad. It almost was like you were there and you felt what he was dealing with. And so that came out, all right? The other thing that came out in the time period since the last time I did an episode on Brianna's case was that one of the grand jurors, after hearing what Daniel Cameron said, wanted to make sure that they were heard in regards to what 
the jury, the grand jury was presented as far as the case. And they wanted to make sure that they were doing things in the interest of justice and the truth in general. And you guys know me. I don't like sugarcoating stuff. So I'm going to just be honest with you. I pegged Daniel Cameron to be a liar like the rest of the people he's connected to. He is connected to Mitch McConnell, a liar. He is connected to Daniel, uh, Donald Trump, a liar. So for me, I already knew if his lips were moving, he was probably lying. When he got up there and told me that, or told me, collective me, meaning us together. But when he told us that he presented to a grand jury of Brianna's peers, meaning the people that live in her community, her peers, that he presented a case about this woman losing her life. And they looked at that evidence and came out of that deliberation of weeks of looking at this information and basically the wall got more justice than Brianna, something's not adding up. Something in the milk ain't right, right? Isn't that what we, we hear? One of those old sayings? Something just didn't make sense. And the fact that we were willing to fall back on the cop-out of, well, if there was something there, the grand jury would have found it. There are so many misconceptions about her case that I think that the misinformation has ruled everything. And I feel like as not that I consider myself to be a journalist, I guess I'm like kind of bootlegged in that. I'm just a person that number one, I'm a researcher. So let me just start with that. I'm not a journalist, but I am a researcher and I'm very much about factual information being presented. So I will say that I do believe in, in getting to the truth which means I'm going to have to look in multiple places in order to get this information. And I feel like so much mis misinformation was out there for her case that the misinformation now started to basically become the truth of what was happening in her case. So I talked about some of this originally when I was working um, on the original episode about this. I talked about some of the misinformation that I even believe the fact that she was sleeping. She was not asleep. So we know that at one point she was asleep, but at the time when she was actually killed, she had moved into the hallway of her apartment. And so again, that was misinformation. The information or the claim that Breonna Taylor had alleged ties to drug trafficking and that they had her address because of her ties to her ex-boyfriend, who was the actual target of the search warrant, the no-knock warrant that was being enacted. That is actually not the truth. What we're looking at is the fact that she had ties to this particular person from the past. She was dating him and he originally was getting mail and things at her house. And I believe from what they, have been able to verify with the USPS, he was still getting occasional packages and mails at her house, but nothing suspicious came. And also nothing was verified with the US Postal Service. So let's get that clear. They never actually verified that. And I'm gonna get into why that, that matters in a second. There was another piece of misinformation, not as important, the fact that she was an EMT. 
um, that she wasn't an EMT and that she was terminated from being an EMT in 2017. Actually, she was an emergency room technician. She worked at two separate hospitals in the local area. She was in EMT recruitment. So she was working to become a full EMT. And so she hadn't gotten to that place yet. So she never had a license suspended because she never actually had an EMT license yet. There is no disciplinary file on her. So all the things that have been used to disparage her, to make it seem as if, number one, that she did something to cause this to happen to her. And I feel like that was the purpose of this. You don't go in to try to claim that she was knee deep into dealing drugs with her boyfriend. His, he's, she's some kind of queen pin, like that stuff I've also heard, unless you're trying to basically victim blame and make it seem as if it's her fault that she's dead. All right, so that's just misinformation. And the reason why I bring that up is because Jamarcus Glover, who was the ex-boyfriend that they were actually looking for, no longer was in a relationship with her. They came to him and basically tried to offer him a deal if he would be willing to say, this was after they killed her, be willing to say that she was a part of his criminal enterprise. And he would not do that because it wasn't true. Now, this is a person that, that could benefit from lying and saying what they want him to say. He wasn't willing to do that. So they wanted him to basically mischaracterize his relationship with Brianna and bring up information that would have benefited him from a criminal prosecution standpoint. And he was not willing to do that. So that just shows you after the fact, the amount of cover up that they went through in order to try to, to backtrack and fix the huge blunder of what was happening when it comes to this case. Here's the, the other thing that I think is probably at the center of why people believe that she was a part of this. And this all is coming from one particular place. Let's not be naive. It's coming from one direction. The claim that she was on jailhouse recordings, basically running drugs for her ex-boyfriend. They never found anything on those recordings where she said anything about drugs. That claim is false. There is no proof of that. There is nothing that shows anywhere that she was connected to what he was doing. He doesn't deny his drug, um, his drug enterprise at all. But the one thing we know is that she was not a part of it. And the fact that they were saying that she was under surveillance for running drugs is also a lie. Yes, the warrant had her address, but they had her address because they were actually trying to find stuff on Jamarcus Glover. The problem is the way that they obtained the warrant that they used was obtained illegally. And so let me break down why that is a problem. They used false information on the affidavit that they submitted in order for the judge to sign off to give them the warrant, the no-knock warrant that they used to go into Brianna's apartment. You're probably like, okay, people lie all the time. Why is that a big deal? An affidavit is a sworn document where you're basically, by submitting that and signing it, you're swearing to the fact that you are telling the truth that the information in this affidavit is factual. 
they basically lied and said that they verified with the postal service that he was receiving suspicious packages at her address. So officer Jane, who, if you follow my social media posts on a daily basis, his name is included with the other three officers that actually went in. He was the one that filed the affidavit in order to get the no knock warrant for Brianna's address. He was the one that initiated the lie by saying that they had proof that suspicious packages verifiably done through the U.S. Postal Service were coming to her address. And that was the reason why they needed the no knock. Now, mind you, Jamarcus Glover was already in custody when all of this happened. But we won't get into that part of it because I do feel like we've talked about that enough and you've heard enough about it to understand that portion of the facts when it comes to her case. The other part of it is the fact that it had to go to a judge. So the judge now, after your supervisor gives you the permission, they look at, look at what you've done. Now you got to go find a judge to sign off on this so that you can actually get the warrant issued. They go to a judge. This judge does not verify that the information that these officers are swearing that they have, that they actually have. So they lied on the affidavit. So that's the first crime. The crime continues to occur. So everything is a result of the original crime from that point forward. When they go into her house without a validly obtained search warrant, they are now continuing the crime and they're trespassing, which means they broke into her apartment, which means they are now because she was killed in the commission of a felony offense that they have now committed a crime that occurred during that felony. So at the least, and now I'm not fully versed on the laws in Kentucky. I know felony, felony murder is a thing in California. If you commit a felony and someone dies in the commission of that felony, felony murder is the charge that you get charged with. So all of those officers at the minimum should have been charged with her life being taken and the fact that that wasn't done made me just made me side-eye daniel cameron like number one dog you work for the people of kentucky you don't work for mitch mcconnell you don't work for donald trump but we all know that everything you did was calculated because of your political ambitions and that's the part that i want to really get into the meat of for this particular episode the reason why I wanted to kind of give this preface or this 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 intro or opening so that we could revisit some stuff and I could you like tear down some things that we know are not accurate. And then I also want to get back into why I basically want you guys to start paying attention. So this is a good place. And we're back, guys. So this episode, again, another Brianna Taylor theme episode. Uh, this one deals with, are you paying attention now? So the latest news that came out, I want to say it was yesterday. What ended up happening, and so let me backtrack a little bit because I want to make sure that everybody's clear who hasn't really been following the case. 
the juror after Daniel Cameron did his big press conference, taking pot shots at celebrities, basically doing what the people he's connected to do, not paying attention to the thing that matters, not keeping the main thing, the main thing. Your job is to come here and tell us what these charges are going to be. You too busy taking shots at the fact that celebrities are using their platform to talk about what a crap job you're doing as AG of Kentucky and with this case, which you should not have prosecuted. How can you be the special prosecutor when there's a clear conflict of interest on your behalf? I don't understand that. Clear conflict of interest. But I don't want to get into that because I'll be on a tangent forever with that one. But this is what I do want to, to get into why that's important. The bias that he had was clear. The DA, the local DA that should have prosecuted the case, recused himself because of the conflict. I don't have a problem with you having a bias if you know you have one and you want to make sure that the right thing is done. I'm fine with that. The fact that Daniel Cameron didn't do that let me know that he had an agenda. So after he makes this big, grand, wonderful speech that he gives about justice being served and all this other kind of stuff that we know was a bunch of crap, and taking pot shots as people. Now, remind you, this was happening during the NBA playoffs. So it may, it may have been, it was in the playoffs because the Bucks were supposed to play and they protested their game. And that's how they had the, the, the temporary shutdown for two days because the other team stood in solidarity with the, the Bucks. And it was a behind Jacob Blake, but all of this was happening during the time of this grand jury um, proceedings coming out. So they were using that platform that they had in the NBA specifically to speak about Breonna Taylor. So her name was on jerseys. Her name was on the court. The WNBA did the same thing. So Breonna's name was trending everywhere. And the heat and the attention that Daniel Cameron was getting the protests in front of his house. Um, they said that he was getting death threats, which I'm never a proponent for death threats. But just to give you perspective on all of what was happening, all this was happening around the time when this press conference happened. Okay. So he gets up there and he fixes his face to say yet another lie and opens up his mouth to say that the jury, the grand jury did not agree that there was sufficient evidence there for charges to be brought against those officers other than the charges that they brought against Brett Hankerson was, which was the willful endangerment of the neighbors. So let that sink in. The neighbors got more justice, not even the neighbors, the walls got more justice than what Brianna got. He fixed his face to say that. So here's the problem when you have an agenda and you lie eventually your lies catch up to you. So after those charges were, were given, several jurors from that grand jury were not okay. The fact that he not only lied, but he lied on them and they took their civic responsibility seriously, led them to actually going and putting petitions through attorneys to be able to speak out openly about the proceedings. The things that they had an issue with was that he said 
that the grand jury was told that there would be none because the prosecutors didn't feel um, that they can make them stick. I'm sorry. That is what the juror said that they were told. What he said was they presented the case to the, the grand jurors and the grand jurors refused to actually prosecute. But that's not what happened. They asked after the wanton endangerment charges were given, they asked, were there other charges going to be offered for them and evidence for them to consider? And were told that that was not going to be there wasn't going to be anything else. That was it because they didn't feel they could make them stick. So this is what came out when the grand jurors had the opportunity to speak out. But listen, folks, let me help you out. And not in a condescending way. Some of this stuff is not rocket science. And let me tell you why. When they made that petition to the judge to have the ability to speak freely, Daniel Cameron immediately filed a motion to appeal that or to basically block it. The judge looked at what was presented, looked what the grand jurors presented in their case, looked at Daniel Cameron's case, his lame excuses to why he was trying to block it was in the interest of justice to make sure justice was served. And the judge came back and said, nah, Holmes. He said, that's not how this is going to work because you filed charges and you said these were the only charges that were avail available to be filed because of the evidence you have. So justice has been served because you were able to get an indictment and arrest this person for this crime. Now, what happens after that? They're not speaking about the evidence in the case that you presented. They're only talking about addressing what you said that they did or said. That's really what they want to talk about. They didn't want to tell the evidence that was presented to them. What they wanted to say in general terms was basically defend their character. And they had a right to do that, according to the judge. So, of course, Daniel Cameron says he's not going to appeal it. But I mean, you look like a jackass appealing it to begin with, like, if you were doing this in the interest of justice, which is the lame line that they always use, justice is always served, then why are you blocking us understanding what actually happened in that room with those grand jurors? What you actually showed them? Why are you blocking this? It didn't make sense. So the grand jury used their attorney, obviously, to speak for them and they released a statement. And so one of the anonymous grand jurors who did not release obviously their identity challenged those those comments where he said that they chose not to prosecute for the death of Breonna Taylor. All right. They chose not to that they were presented this and they chose not to. One of the statements says basically that he portrayed to them and to the public that they made the decisions and they agreed with the decision that they made. So basically taking all the blame off of him as the top lawyer for the state of Kentucky and putting it all on the grand jury, the blame game. I mean, where have we seen this before? Yeah, I'll wait. If you, if you need help figuring out where this playbook came from, I don't know what to say to you, but yeah, that's what dude did. Okay. So, they also said that basically that this was a dereliction of his duties as the AG. So here's the, the tee hee hee for us. And this is why I say this is a tee hee hee. I live in California. State of California recalls. We have recall laws. So if we don't like the job you did, we will recall you in quickness. We recalled a whole governor 
because we didn't like the job he was doing. That's how Arnold Schwarzenegger got into office. So we have recourse as the people of this state to basically tell you, you suck at your job and we're not going to wait until you're up for re-election. We're going to get you out right now. So recall elections happen all the time in certain states. Kentucky does not have a recall law on the books. So he just got in office in 2018. My bad, 2019. He just got in office in 2019. And I find it funny that the way that their terms line up in the state of Kentucky is coincides with the person coming in right before a general election. So in the middle of a midterm and a general election. And I'm going to get into that agenda part in a second. So this happens. He gets in. You can't recall him. So he still has to finish out his term. So we would have to wait until his term is up in order to get him out. And I say we, even though I don't live in Kentucky, I say we, meaning the people collectively we. So that was the teehee for me because I was like, let me sign these petitions to get him recalled, but you can't recall him. But you can do other stuff to make him quit. That's why this dereliction of duty matters. That's the reason why raising the stink about her case and not letting it go matters. That's the reason why the ruling that this judge in the Jefferson County Circuit Court wrote that she felt like this was a rare and extraordinary example of a case where at the time that the motion was made, the historical reasons for preserving grand jury secrecy is known. The reason why we keep it a secret, there's a reason. But in this case, this is one of those rare cases where the information needed to come out. So now he's been put on front street. Daniel Cameron's been put on front street. And a lot of people are like, okay, Malika, well, what's his agenda? Well, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to tell you what his agenda is. Just give me a second. But I'll make you wait before I tell you what his agenda is. Because there is an agenda. And if you're not paying attention, I'm going to make sure that you are paying attention. So stick with me for another segment. And when we get back, we will get into what dude's agenda is. And, you know, we may talk a little bit of this election. Maybe not, but we'll see. Be back in just a second. So we're back for the final segment and I wanted to get into his agenda, Daniel Cameron, because I feel like it matters. Those who didn't listen to the past episode, I'm not going to get all into his history, but just go back and know that he has been the protege of Mitch McConnell, who is the Republican leader of the Senate, who has sat by and done nothing while Donald Trump has come through and wreaked havoc on our country for the last three and a half years and basically justified what he has done. So he knows where his bread and butter her his bread is buttered basically all right daniel cameron now granted first black attorney general ever to be elected in the state of kentucky while that's wonderful i feel like black in this in this particular situation is relative because black it may be his skin color but he's definitely not our kinfolk at all 
there's no way you can tell me that he is acting as a person that understands the plight of the black person in this country and coming up with the divisive stuff that he's been doing. Like it's sickening to see how dudes operates. And it's, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. It just reinforces the fact that we will do anything and sell our souls in order to have political gain. I don't understand how he sleeps at night. I really don't. I said this when I look at Daryl Scott, when I look at Candace Owens, when I look, oh my God, Herschel Walker, like the sunken place is full right now. Like real talk, it's full. And his agenda, this is the part that I want you guys to understand about his agenda. <sighs> his agenda is real, y'all. He worked his way up, clerking his way for McConnell. Eventually, he gets to the place where he wants to run for AG. There is a controversy behind that because there's a law of how many years you have to have been practicing in order for you to be eligible to run for attorney general. And the person that he ran against actually filed a suit, but the suit did not work out in their favor. So he was eligible to stay on the ballot. I disagree with that because when I looked at it and they, and I looked at the facts and they were breaking down everything, you had to be practicing law a certain amount of time. And at the time when he was clerking, he was not actively practicing law. So those years did not count, which took away, I believe, two years from his, his count. So if they counted the two years, he just made the minimum. You take the two years out, he's not eligible, but he's in, he's in there. So we can't even get into that. He's in there. Right. So the next thing we have to deal with is now he's the AG and you have basically almost a supermajority in Congress. You had until 2018, a supermajority in Congress, meaning they have both, both the house and the Senate. And then you top that with the white house and they basically could have done whatever they wanted to do. So this excuse about not getting stuff done, is is nil for me because they had the ability to push through whatever legislation they wanted to and they just chose to only under un, overturn the stuff that president obama did in his administration if they'd have focused on the ball instead of focusing on the, the, the distraction they might have actually got some of their agenda pushed through so now they want four more years to not do what they were supposed to do but that's my tangent i'm gonna get off of it so Daniel Cameron is attached to a person that has he's attached to a person that has aspirations to really just shift how this country operates and get back to I don't even want to call it conservatism. This is something else. This is some some Jim Jones Kool-Aid type stuff. This is not the conservative party that I grew up seeing. My father was a conservative and none of this stuff he would agree with at all. He's attached to McConnell. He's attached to Trump, praised by them. He wants to pat on the head like, you know, the proverbial lap dog that he is. And the belief is, and this is a rumor, and I haven't been able to verify this, so I'm just preface it with that, is that McConnell wants him to run next election when he's eligible to run for the governor of Kentucky. So it's not an accident that he's towing the line and doing what they want him to do with this case because it benefits him to stay on their side politically. He has had upward mobility within the party because of the fact that he has told the line and done what they told him to do and has been attached to Mitch McConnell. Like his whole career, he basically might want to just say thank you because that's the only reason why he has it. 
And that's the reason why I say, how much is your soul worth? How much are you willing to sell it for? Daniel Cameron has shown us that he's basically willing to sell it for a position and a pat on the head, because I feel like that is what he really is getting from this. And I hope we're paying attention. Pay attention to what they're doing. They do not care about us. They don't care about black lives. They don't care about making sure that we get justice in the system that they created, even though it wasn't created for us. Now, mind you, there's clear cut cases where they can't even dispute the fact that, oh, yeah, we can't we can't finagle our way out of this one. There's clear cut cases like this, but we still keep seeing this stuff happen. Brianna's a case that's clear cut where if they actually presented the evidence from the file and I actually have a file folder on my cloud drive of every documented picture for this case. So when I say I did the research, I didn't get my research from the news, although I have read news articles, I have watched TV, I've done all of that. My information has actually come directly from their files. I have the entire jury transcripts, the audio files that were released. I have those. I saved them and listened to them. So I wanted to get a clear understanding of this case. Like, how did you screw this up so badly? And when I looked at it, I said, the only reason why you screwed this case up, Lou, they were, he was given a lob. Like, dude, all you had to do was dunk this. You, you missed a layup, you missed the lob and you were right over the basket. The only way you could have missed this was because you wanted to. It was not in the benefit of your party and the people you're connected to and kowtowing to for you to actually prosecute this case the way it should have been prosecuted. That's the only answer. That's the reason why we got to pay attention. I will get into the voting. The voting is important because the misinformation that's out there right now when it comes to this election is just atrocious. It's downright dumb at this point. It's almost like if you're a less informed voter and don't take the time to actually do more research, you will believe whatever they feed you, depending on which side of the line you're on, whether you're liberal or conservative, I still think it's dumb. I'm more of a conservative liberal, so I fall more on the conservatives, the liberal side. And even I side eye and sec and second guess and check fact check the stuff that's coming from the side i'm more aligned with we cannot blindly just be out here accepting what they give us fact check get the information contrary to popular belief there are only two options joe biden and donald trump are your only two options so your question is to yourself can i live with the current climate in this country the fact that they will go to no ends corruptly to cover up a girl being killed that should not be dead. So not only was it not bad enough that they killed her without justification, but the cover up afterwards was so atrocious and so obvious and blatant and out there that it just lets you know you don't cover up stuff that was done right. That's just like, dude, that's just common sense. If you did your job right, what do you need to cover up? You only cover up stuff that you knew if that information get out, got out, that it could be detrimental for you. To the point where I wonder what charges can be brought against Daniel Cameron. Like, I hope, I hope there's something. If he's part of conspiracy, because remember, the crime began when they got that, that search warrant, when they filled out that affidavit and lied. That's when the crime began. 
if we're labeling him as part of the conspiracy or the crime that came like after the fact, then there may be charges that they can bring against him if they choose to. You don't pay out that kind of money in a civil suit without a whole lot of pushing unless you were hoping that that would get the family off of the city. That was the thing that I looked at. I was like, yeah, they paid this money way too easily, way too quickly. And it was the largest sum that you've seen in a long time in a civil suit against the police department. Because they were hoping that if we pay off the family, that maybe they'll leave this alone and they won't push the criminal charges. They'll, they won't keep looking at what we did. Well, sorry to disappoint you, but we're not going to let it go. I know I'm not going to let it go. I'm not a celebrity by any means. But I know every celebrity that is informed about this case is not going to let it go. We're not going to stop until Brianna gets the justice that she deserves. And so I wanted to make sure that I brought to you the information when it comes to her case, because it's important for us to know that it's some funny stuff going on. The milk, something in the milk ain't clean, whatever colloquialism you want to use, use that one but it's it's not right so that's all i have for you guys on this particular issue don't stop the push don't stop the pressure continue to pressure daniel cameron continue to pressure governor Bashir. even though i will give him some credit governor andy Bashir has been very clear on before that press conference that daniel cameron had about this case he was very clear on that he didn't feel that Brianna got the justice she deserved and he believed that she should have. And then he also said he didn't agree with the decision after that press conference that he had. So I will give him um, some credit on that, but still pressure him. Pressure Greg Fisher, who is the mayor of Louisville. Like, do not let them sleep until they do right by her. Like, color purple them until you do right by me. Everything you do is going to fail. Like literally let them not get any sleep. Let them trend and see their name attached to pictures of Brianna so that every time they see her face, it's almost like she haunts them until she gets the justice that's deserve, deserving of her because her life mattered. Say her name, Brianna Taylor. She was someone's child. I'm a mother of daughters. How would you feel if that was your daughter? How would you feel if your daughter was in her home, had committed no crimes, was not connected to a crime, was no longer in relationship with the person that was committing crimes? And after doing months of surveillance, according to them, they started surveilling her in January. She was killed March the 13th. After doing months of surveillance and not seeing anything to support the suspicion that they had, they still went into this woman's house. Yes, he shot back. If I was Kenneth, I would have shot too. He's legally registered. You break down the door. He does not hear you identify yourself. And he has said that. And then here's another lie. Um, I know I'm getting out of here, but here's another lie. They said that a neighbor said that they heard the officers identify themselves, but that neighbor actually did not say that. That's how they twisted it up. But the neighbor didn't hear anything. So them identifying themselves was not heard in the, the back of the apartment in the room where they were at. So they did not hear the identification. So for all Kenneth knew, someone was breaking into their apartment in Louisville. It's Louisville. 
And I'm not saying all areas of Louisville are bad, but come on. So, yes, I'm going to defend myself. And he only fired one shot. The amount of bullets that they returned for that one shot, there's discrepancies in the amount between 20 and 30-something bullets were shot back for one shot. And what they said in their report, which they lied in the report after the fact, too, I mean, not a surprise that they lied, was that they felt like they were basically under fire at siege and that they returned fire because they felt like they were under attack. So one bullet, one shot is under attack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Miss us with that. I mean, we're not that stupid. So that just tells you how terrible this case is and we cannot let the pressure up. We have to continue to push, push, push. So get out and vote. Don't make me have to say it. Get out and vote. Um, your vote is your voice. Uh, these turkeys got to go. They got to go. Like, I'm tired of folks not doing their job. They got to go. I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired, 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 tired. They got to go. Um, make sure you follow me, as always, on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Malika Uncensored Pod. And on Twitter, my handle is Malika No Filter. You know, you can always send me an email, Malika Uncensored Pod at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up, DM me. But as I always say, free your mind. Election time is a time when our minds go blank and we just don't want to think anymore. Now's not the time for us to, to zone out. Free your mind, meaning feed your mind with factual information, not propaganda, not stuff that is so stupid that on any other given day, you probably wouldn't believe it. But because it's tied to politics in an election, you're regurgitating this stuff. Free your mind. And I guarantee you, the rest will follow. Thank you for taking your time to listen to another episode of Malika Uncensored. Please follow the show on social media. We can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Malika Uncensored Pod and on Twitter at Malika No Filter. And we would appreciate your feedback, comments, like the podcast. Make sure that you go into whatever program that you use to listen to the podcast, subscribe, and make sure that you like the podcast as well. Love to hear reviews and make sure that you share with those that you know. Until next time, free your mind and the rest will follow.